when we were shoveling snow to play ball in February and March. For me, it's playing ice hockey with the boys and making that amazing pass. And when the clock went down to zero, every team just came down to the court and they started just to celebrate with us. And that moment was so pure because I just remember thinking, wow, like we're just a big team. Hey, this is Dominic Susi, and welcome to my purest sports moment. Hey, are you doing, Natalie? Are you doing, Bianca? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Hi, Dom. Hi, Nat. Hey. I'm pretty good. What are you drinking out there, like, Natalie? I just saw like, you <laughs> drinking something. I just want to make sure, because I saw a lot of your TikTok stuff, so I just want to make sure, like... That you're just repping, uh, representing what you're drinking. So what is, what is it that I just saw <laughs> you, you what? Drink? This is the first time I've ever had this drink. It's a Yerba Mate, uh, okay. like a tea drink. And it's yeah. uh, it, they partnered with Protect Our Winters Canada, which a lot of snowboarders are involved with. So I saw it on the shelf and was like, I didn't know we had it here on the east. Uh, I only saw it in the west coast. So I bought it and now I'm trying it for the first time. Okay, that's cool. I, I just want to make sure, like, what kind of drink was that? I was like, mm, not sure. <laughs> My Is secret that... sauce, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how have you, you been doing? I've been doing good, enjoying the warm weather. This is actually the first time in, I'm inside today because I brought my laptop out outside, but I wanted to make sure I had the good audio and everything in here. But I've been enjoying just sitting outside and getting some sun while I'm working. What have you been doing today? Like, all, like, TikTok videos? Like, I'll, I, see, I see you, like, on my, you're, like, on my, twi my TikTok feed, like, everywhere. So, is it what you do, like, in the day? I, yeah, I joke with my boyfriend. I'm like, okay, we'll see ya. Bye. Have fun at work. I'm going to just make, like, three TikToks today. So, <laughs> um, but no, I haven't made a TikTok today, actually. I think I, I made an Instagram Reels, which was, like, half of a TikTok I'd already recorded. And then I just recorded the first part. And then I was editing my podcast and, uh, yeah, listening to music and eating and chilling with my dog. <laughs> First time we talked, uh, like uh, like back in I think like two like two months ago or something like that, you were telling me you, you were like a CrossFit athlete, and I was like, get out of here! And I, I was like, you're not looking like a CrossFit athlete, like because you made like competition and stuff like that. And then after that, I saw some of your like TikToks and your photos, and I was like, ah, she's gonna crush me. <laughs> <laughs> That's because of the hoodie, like I was saying. I've just been wearing uh, baggy snowboard hoodies all winter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I saw your like your, some of your last TikTok. Um, I'm a big uh, Bianca. I'm a big follower of of her. So she she's always <laughs> like she's always uh, the snowboarding stuff. Is is that something that you do like right now? Like the, the like the, the tricks that you did. Is that on in Ottawa? Uh, yeah, that was at Trombla. So I just went on Saturday oh. with my brother and uh, yeah, I had a, like such a fun day because it brings back so many like spring memories of yeah. getting to ride there as a kid and I, I'm nowhere near what I used to be. I just call myself a washed up snowboarder and it took me actually a long time to accept that like, okay, I'm never going to do the tricks that I used to do when I was competing. But it is fun just to like mess around and do some of those. And I, I felt cool again, I suppose. Like there were some people at the top who were like, oh, that was awesome. And I was like, yes, uh, I still have it. <laughs> hey, those those skills are, are incredible. You're like, you're like killing it out there. Like, I was like, oh my God. I didn't know, like I, like, I didn't know how good you were. And I was like, oh, okay. She, she's, she's got the serious sauce out there. Because I, I do snowboard. I'm not good. Like I just like go like down. And a little bit of a, a, a midi jump and stuff like that, but like the stuff you do, like out there, and I know it, it's been a while, so it's not like you, you're not like practicing every day, every day. But like 
Oh wow, that's incredible! <laughs> like, the you, you got you got some serious game. Who who's cooler? Who's like who's a cooler? Like, is like snowboarder or cooler or skateboarders? Oh, that's hard. Oh, I thought you were gonna say snowboarders or skiers because then I would nah. answer. My brother's a skier, so I'd just say snowboarders. But you I, know what? I would <laughs> accept that in this moment, even though I've skied my entire life. I would be like, yes, I can acknowledge that you all get the better gear and get to do much more fun things, and we're just <laughs> lame and take turns <laughs> down the mountain. Let's keep. Ah, ski's pretty cool, though. I yeah, like, I like yeah, ski. to be fair, you know what? My brother, like him and his friends, they ride the park and they do cool stuff. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, they're cool, too. But they, they had to take influence from snowboarders to be, yeah. become cool again. And then now was... they, like, skiers are cool again. I don't know. But I, I think they can credit us. <laughs> the, the, the pain in your voice when you're like, they're cool, like, kind of. <laughs> like, yeah, the guy's like, like Michael Kinsberg. We're going to talk, like, Canadian stuff like right now. But the guy, like, <laughs> oh, Mike, Mike, no. Michael Yes, Michael Kingsbury. Michael Kingsbury is like the best, like ever at skiing stuff and, and uh, mogul and stuff like that. So, like those guys though, like they they do some crazy stuff in skiing though. Like it's uh it's incredible. So it's a, uh, I think like for for them like I, I can see like skis skis kind of cool right now. It's a it's still cool, but there's there's a thing when I when I see like my wife, she, she's pretty good at like good at snowboarding, and she do, <laughs> she does that like she goes like from side to side. That just looks so good. It's it's just so cool. So so who's cooler, like skateboard skateboarders oh, yeah. or snowboarders? Like that's it. Uh, I mean, I I will say snowboarders for my own sake, but like skateboarding is so technical. Like it's so hard. It's so underrated because your feet aren't strapped in. Like snowboarders maybe have some higher risk. Like you're hitting like a hundred foot jumps and mm-hmm. uh, you can crash really hard. Obviously, and you're doing like bigger tricks. But skateboard is the technicality of it, and um, it's only now getting into the Olympics, uh, so it still yeah. has like that rebel aspect to it. I mean, snowboarding does too, but it's starting to become more of like a you know a jock thing. Mainstream. Like it's an, a full sport actually now. Yeah. So, so what, yeah, is it a sport though? Like because uh, Bianca, she knows she knows like I, I'm roasting a lot of people that like, doing like <laughs> ski and snowboarding. I love uh, by the way, I love snowboarding. I love surfing. I love skate skateboarding. Those skateboarding is like. If I could go back in life, I would be a skateboarder. Like my, my kids do a lot of skateboarding, and I'm just like, I watch them. I was like, oh man, I, w- I wish I could do that, but like I can't. I just can't. But is, do you consider people like me going to the slope at like Tremblant? Do you consider me doing sport when I do that, or just a leisure? Like guys like me. I, I think still a sport, but yeah, that's a good comparison because like, for example, when I was 17, I went out to Whistler for the first time and I remember being at this, this big party, like the, the guys who kind of owned the house that I was staying at were all skiers and they were kind of like semi-pro. Uh, and uh, even though I was like at a training camp, they were just partying nonstop. And so they had like some of these pro snowboarders who came over, but they were pro snowboarders not competing. They were like ones who filmed street rails and kind of that kind of scene. And they were getting so heated about snowboarding because it just had gotten into the Olympics. Like it was announced when I was there. And they were like, snowboarding isn't a sport. We're not athletes. And I just was like, I'm just closing my mouth because they don't know that I compete and like I have different views. So there is still like kind of a, a I guess, a like a just a separation in that sense where you some mean, people even, don't consider it a the, sport. But even in the community, like in the, in the snowboarding community, they don't want they don't want to be called athletes some it's getting better like I was like one of the only people who went to the gym for a long time uh yeah like I feel actually really confident saying that I was probably like the strongest female snowboarder but because (laughs) I spent so much time in the gym 
And now it's like cool because people are realizing they're getting torn ACLs all the time. But it is, people say it's a lifestyle, right? Like you, you finished yeah. running track. You're probably not going to go back and run track just for nah. fun. But nice. snowboarding, skiing, like you want to be doing that when you're 90 if you could possibly do it. But I, I definitely consider it a sport. I think it's just kind of the wording that gets associated is some of those people don't want to think that they're like, you know, jocks and all they do is train. They want to think that they're rebels and just like hang out. So it there's like a not a war. I think those those they're getting closer and closer. You know, we've made friends. Go ahead. Go ahead. Again. Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, like obviously have to be the only American on the call today. Very proud to take this back seat here. But, um, you know, with a sport like snowboarding, so for me, I, I just use the term sport because I, you're out there, you're engaging, you're an athlete to me, even if it's yeah. leisure, like you're sweating. Um, yeah. Once again, Dom you're and not, I have- you're, 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 you're not sweating. That's the point, you're, not, you're just not sweating. <laughs> when I ski, really I sweat, cold, I don't- Okay, even when it's like two degrees, and that's even Celsius, I will, but regardless, we don't need to talk about my body habits. What I was going to get into was, you know, Natalie, how is it for you that, you know, you started in this sport very competitive, very young, and now as you're transitioning out of it, you're still able to play and engage in the sport you love, but just in a different lens. You know, how important has that kind of been to you in this transition, and also kind of seeing yourself as an athlete, as a person, and all of these different schemas? Yeah, it's been hard and also fun. Like I see uh, like how difficult that transition is for other athletes. And I definitely went through it where I was like depressed and dealing with my identity loss and all those things when I stepped aside from snowboarding. Uh, but that was because of the, the competition aspect of it and the, the level I was at. It was hard to just to be like, I spent a decade working on this and now I'm not going to achieve that goal. I fell just short of the Olympics. I'm you know, not going to ever do that. So that was really hard to deal with. And I know athletes across all sports do, but I did, I was able to like rebuild that relationship because it did feel like a breakup. And one of the things I did in therapy was actually write a letter to snowboarding. That's something my therapist got me to do. He was like an ex pro soccer player. So that really helped. And um, I realized there was a lot of resentment I held towards the sport because I didn't reach my goal. I, um, I decided to step away. And so I felt like you know, snowboarding had done something bad to me when in a sense it was like it was something I really loved. I fell out of love with it and now I can fall in love with it again, but from a different lens of just like, hey, I just love to have fun and, and hang out. And so now I don't have like when I was a kid, I would ride like 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. I was just so crazy. Now I'm like, I'll have my fun. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'll go inside. If it's super cold, I don't have to go out there and train. I don't have a coach saying like, you got to go and do your best tricks. And it's like negative 30. I can just be like, mm, I'm going to sit in this chalet today and enjoy some hot chocolate. So that relationship is like, been rebuilt in the sense where I can just, you know, hang out and have fun. And something I want to do too is like get into the backcountry. And, you know, that's something that will be new for me, but I don't have to do it from a lens of like, oh, I want to be a pro backcountry rider now. I can just enjoy. How important do you think it is for, so I'm an athlete who was competing at a very high level as well um, and got injured and then had this breakup moment. You know, how important, I love that your therapist made you write this letter. I think that's a beautiful idea and I almost want to kind of go do the same after <laughs> How important do you think it is for athletes who have gone through something where they've had this monumental goal, have been so close to either step away due to injury or just the reality of what's going on at the time? How important do you think it is for them to kind of have that reckoning with the sport, to kind of look all of those years and hours and, you know, pain, joy, everything in between in the eye and say, you know, hey, this was X, Y, Z for me then. Where am I going now? And how can I, I kind of build again? 
Yeah, I, I think it's so important because it's similar to like any relationships. It's going to be hard for you to get into any other relationship in your life if you haven't like kind of healed from what went on in that relationship and understood that even if it was negative or something's negative happened, there were also good sides. There's a reason you got into it. Um, there's a reason why you put that effort there. And even those negative sides of the struggles or the things that you went through, they taught you lessons and they're helping you learn these things that are going to help you propel to what's next. So now I look back and I think everything I'm doing is building off that. It wasn't that I failed and like I didn't make the Olympics. It was that falling short there was a reason there and i've been able to learn and heal and mature a lot faster because of that and take that into everything else that i do next awesome i love that and it, that's so much of your brand now like talk about like how the, you've incorporated that to tell other athletes it's okay to feel these things it's okay to be open about how you feel disappointed hurt but also take those as wins yeah, I mean, that, it took me a while to get there. And then I realized the importance of reframing it because of everything I went through. Like I went through really like the lowest of lows and um, just dealing with like, I don't know what I want to do with my future and really thinking about all those things and then being able to overcome that. I'm like, well, now I need to share this because I know there's so many other people that have gone through the exact same thing. So the more to me, like anything that I've gone through in my life and I've been able to heal through, whether it's like bullying for being a young girl into sports or it's like the struggle of you know leaving a sport and not achieving those goals like how can I share that with other people because I know anybody on earth has like fallen short of something has failed at something has been judged for something um, so I think it's important once you get to that place if you're able to go back and share and help others and for a few years I wasn't in that place at all I was still you know kind of dealing with it in this moment but uh, feel good now to be kind of more vulnerable and open up and share about those things. I think more of an athlete than an entertainer, but I think like now, especially the way I view athletes in general is I do understand like just from the work that I do, that there's like that brand side and there's the content creation side where um, even if you look at like esports, the reason esports are growing so fast is because inherently they're creating content around everything that they do. So they're, they are entertainers and they are part of the entertainment industry. And that's something um, I think I've, I've shared, I know in like some different things where sports are part of the entertainment industry and so I have I been realizing that more and more where you know we wouldn't even have an opportunity to compete and make money or do anything in any sport if you yeah. aren't getting some sort of entertainment value to the crowd or whatever yeah. it is and something I recognized as an athlete even seeing what the governing bodies would do where for example they wouldn't change the weather would be horrible we'd be as athletes and coaches having meetings saying we need to move this competition it's not safe and the we have a TV schedule, like we can't do that. So you start to realize that it is uh, an entertainment industry, but at the same time, I think you, you are an athlete. Like there's different types of entertainers. There's actors, uh, musicians, and then there's there's the athlete side. And you were talking about Olympics, but ain't you guys like interest in more to the exit game? Somewhat, yeah. Like, I guess it depends what athlete you ask. Like, for example, I started off playing so many traditional sports as a kid that when I was three years old, I told my parents I wanted to go to the Olympics. And so that was like my thing. And then I think I, I when I switched to snowboarding in my early teens from hockey, then it was like, okay, maybe there is no Olympics here yet. So then X Games kind of became that goal. Then Olympics came back. So for me, I was like, oh, yes, Olympics. But there was a lot of athletes around me who, you know, maybe their parents were like, oh, that's so cool. You have the Olympic opportunity. But X Games was probably their main goal. And there's less people. Like, I think it's only maybe 25 girls or something like that get to go to the Olympics. But in X Games, sometimes it's as low as, like, they invite eight girls sometimes, which is, like, super exclusive. 
Yeah, so even even less, like, you know, some pe sometimes people ask, like, Olympics is that top one. I'm like, X Games is much harder to get into. Yeah, oh, my, my top memory would be in snowboarding. I mean, there's so many memories, like, playing hockey as a kid. I think uh, the other day I was scrolling through my TikTok, and I saw a kid do, like, a trend called, like, rare aesthetics. And he was, like, showing pictures with the sound of, like, uh, you know, like, different scenes. And you were saying, like, it brings back memories is the idea. And it was memories of, like, you know, a, a rink at 6 a.m. And then, like, your pet, like, your parents packing your bags. And I was like, oh, that is, like, exactly the memories that I remember from my whole childhood. Like, hockey really dictated my childhood the the rink that was near our house whenever my parents said we're going home I said which home like the rink or home home because we literally like my brother played hockey too so we spent all our weekends like all our nights at, at the hockey rink we were just like eat KD and then go to the rink and uh, and run but I think if I had to pick like one key moment it would be kind of the moment that allowed me to even then get chosen for the junior national team when that first came around and everything which was basically my first big competition win which also was like one of my only big competition wins because all of a sudden I get onto like the national team program and I'm competing at world cups and world championships against the best in the world and being you know younger and just coming up you're not really winning those those events so this event was basically the year before I had gone, I had like this, I always had this Cinderella story in my head as a kid, you know, I think I'm going to show up at a competition and just win and like all of a sudden be the best. Like that was just like this thing in my head. So I went to this competition and I came like dead last. I probably fell on all my runs. I don't even remember if I fell or like if I just was bad. Uh, and like there was like pro snowboarders there that I really respected and I was just so embarrassed. My mom was making me take pictures with them because she was like, I see you have their posters on your wall. And I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. So I, I was like 16 at the time. So I just remember crying and crying. And I said in my head, I was like, next year I'm going to win. So the year after I was my last year of high school, I remember this was going to be the last competition of the season for me. Um, and this is only like kind of two years into to competing, really. Uh, I ended up graduating high school semester early so I could start competing and working and traveling a little bit. Went out west and ended up breaking my tailbone. And this is two weeks before this competition. So I get on the plane, very painful, uh, come back, realize there's nothing you can really do to heal a tailbone. So I just kept riding. Uh, it was very painful. Uh, and then I end up going to this competition and end up laying down, like I learned a new trick when I was out west, and laying down like the run of my life up the, until that moment. And when I landed it, I just knew, like having seen everyone else's runs, like I would win this competition with this run. And my brother had been skiing along the side of the run. And this was actually at Tromblau where like I literally filmed that video the other day. So it just brings back a lot of memories of that like one run always. And he was riding down when I landed the second jump, which just ends the course, he just like hugged me. And he's like, we have a very like a, a very sibling type relationship where we just fight and argue and tease each other. And so for him to like, just be so proud of me in that moment and then you know, I felt like out of body standing on the podium. We called my mom, she wasn't able to be there, but my dad and my brother were there and we were calling her to tell her that I won and all these different things. And then I got a, I get to go to California with a paid trip um, because I won and I got prize money and a huge like, novelty check and everything and beat like these pro snowboarders that were on my wall. So it was kind of like that moment. Um, and to this day, like I can visualize the whole run in, in my head because I'm just in such a state of flow. And I think like forever, I'll just be like chasing that feeling and that moment because it was like the best.
Yeah, you know what? And that was actually really special too because my parents were actually so proud. I remember they emailed because I had like a, you know, the best way to fundraise for events is like to hit up all your family. So I had an email chain like with my grandma, my aunt, my parents and been like, hey, this is like the donation um, for the mental health associations if you want to donate for the ski I'm doing. And so then I remember my dad responded and he was just like told everyone about how my brother joined me at the end. And it was so funny because going into it, my dad's like, why are you doing this? This is so crazy. What a stupid idea you're gonna do a 100k ski you've never skied over 15k like but then throughout he, my dad was tracking me on Strava and like watching the whole thing and sending me he would call me whenever he see that I stopped because um, he knew like I was back in my car getting a drink or getting some food he would check in and then I think it was my brother was at their house um, he has like a trailer that he's working on in their garage and they I think they told him like hey you should join that and help her at the end so it so then my brother called me and told me and my parents already knew so I knew and they sent him with like some snacks as well and different things to bring me and yeah that was really special too because I, I really needed him in that moment because I had just like I was pretty much dead by, by that point but also it was getting pitch black and like skiing through the forest at night in pitch black it just just felt like scary I'm like scared of the dark so uh so it was good to to have him with me at the end so yeah you know what he comes in clutch when it, when it matters <laughs> I love that so how did you yeah talk a little bit uh, that more video about you just... like I want to cry I want to cry oh yeah <laughs> I yeah he was videoing me I was he's like what do you want to do when you get home I'm like cry and he's like asking me more questions he's like so when you get home like what are you gonna do I'm like cry <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And then when, you know what, we didn't even have time much to celebrate or anything after because there's a curfew here in Quebec. So he had to like hustle back over to the Ontario side and get home. And, uh, and then I drove up to my house, which is only 400 meters up the road. And I had pizza and uh, actually I, I didn't cry till the next day. The next day I got so moody because I was so exhausted mentally, um, that I cried like all the next afternoon, but I was still high on energy for like 24 hours after. <laughs> I remember seeing your whoop score and it was like 3% recovery. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. It was so bad. It was just like, it, I didn't even want to look at it. And I think I maxed out almost like the strain. Like actually, so no one has ever gotten a pure 22, I think, or is it 21 whoop score, like the max. They say like you actually can't go to the exact max because I was at 20 point something like within a, like before halfway through the day and then it just like hardly ever went up from there because it just like it can't really go that far there's another day last summer that I got almost that high too and it was so crazy and uh yeah I I woke up like so beat up like everything was inflamed my feet were swollen for days uh yeah that was, it was a rough week so what what inspired you to do this for those that are listening and might not know about your 100 kilometer trek yeah, so, well, last fall, uh, my boyfriend and I, we went out west on a, on a road trip, and we were listening to a ton of podcasts on the way, and we listened to a lot of, like, people who did these crazy endurance challenges, and it's always been something that, like, I've just been attracted to, but I'm not an endurance athlete, like, very far from it. In CrossFit, my strengths are entirely power and speed and strength. Uh, everyone, like, laughs at me because they know that I will, like, burn out very quickly. Uh, anything, like, too, like, I have really good times at really short workouts or, like, max lifts but anything long is just not not good for me um but so I just had in this mind I was like okay well like running is just not really my thing like long distance especially after snowboarding like it just running is very heavy on the joints so it's just something I try to avoid doing too too much volume of 
So I'm like, I'm not going to run like 100 kilometers. That just seems unnecessary. Um, so I just try to think of like some sort of challenge I could do. And obviously mental health being a, a cause that's important to me, I thought I could use this as and do this like as a fundraiser. Um, and that was something too that I thought of is like, I've worked all my life to build this fitness, but like for what? I just felt like very selfish in the fact that I've only used it for my own sport or whatever. And I was like, how could I use this for something good, especially during the pandemic and times where I can't even compete or do anything. So yeah, so I kind of had an idea of like, oh, I really love this sport of cross-country skiing. I had just bought skis like a couple years ago, so I got into it. I did a little bit of it as a, as a kid, but never owned my own skis. And I was like, I'm not very good, but I know like you can just keep moving. Like, I just feel like you can keep moving. Like with walking, with running, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. So I had the idea going into the winter, but no idea how I can make it happen because with the pandemic lockdown rules here, like it's very strict here. So I was like, even I, I talked with a videographer of like, maybe we could do something where we promote it leading up, but she doesn't have cross country skis and to be on the trail, you have to also have skis. Um, so there's just all these logistics and I was like, well, how could I properly do this to like raise money and awareness and also just like do this challenge? Um, and how can I like, probably stream it? And so then all of a sudden Clubhouse came around and I thought, oh, with audio, we could do something live all day and just check in. And then one of my friends said, I'll walk 50K with you at the same time. So we said, okay, perfect. And then it took about two months of us just trying to look for a weather window because it was either too cold or too windy or um, the trail near my house, it only gets groomed once a week. So if it's, say it gets groomed on Thursday and it snows like Monday, it's not gonna be good until it gets groomed again. It would just be too slow. So that caused all these issues. So then finally we found like a good day. We just committed to it. Um, and yeah, and did the, the 100K ski. Um, there was definitely times I didn't think I would finish because it actually got very warm that day. So the snow got extremely slow. Like I felt like I was just trudging through like quicksand, like I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and so that was extremely frustrating. It, it got faster when my brother came actually, because it was like the, the light went down. And so it got kind of icy on the layer that was so slow, but even still, he was even noticing, he's like, oh yeah, it must've been awful this afternoon because there's patches I'm just getting stuck. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I felt for like 40 kilometers in the middle, like just hell. <laughs> Yeah, so I was doing it all on classic. Uh, so I know people who might be listening, if they know cross-country skiing, there's like classic skiing or there's skate skiing. Skate skiing is faster, but it's just, I could never go 100K because your heart rate is like much, much higher. It's like more of like a sprinting than a uh, long. Yeah, it's, it's just not really made for super long distances. Although I have seen some like really good people go very far and in like half the time of what it took me. But uh, yeah, so classic, so you're just like in the track, so you definitely need a good grooming. And then I have the skin skis, so instead of, uh, you don't need to put wax in the middle, they just have skins, but I have to, I have to replace my skins, because I showed my brother and he's like, oh my God, now your skins are like, they're all like dirty and they're like pretty short now, because it just 100 kilometers was a lot for, for those skins and especially being so warm, the snow was granular, so it just like wears them down. Um, and especially like the trail that I used, it had like leaves and I was dodging dog poo and like, um, so you just have to like, you get like crudge on it. But every about 10K when I get back to my car, my brother gave me some like pretty expensive like liquid wax that he had and it was like perfect for that temperature. And so I would put it on, but like it wasn't really doing much. Once it was warm, like there's nothing you can do at that point. Uh, yeah, I tried to get us like go really fast in the morning when it was fast because then I knew like the afternoon was just going to be yeah. hard. Wow. So tell me, uh, there's a, there's a new question and I know you were on a panel last time about NFT. So that, that that's the question about NFT. So you were, uh, 
uh, is there like a moment that you would love that you have like like 10 or 15 cameras just like shoot, just shoot you like and remember oh that like I, like not that finishing like just like that exact moment of love like that like for forever is there is there like a photo out there or just like, like a move out there that you did like a, i don't know how you call those stuff like 360 stuff but uh, is there one thing that you say hey i wish i had that for forever Yes, so I can like picture it in my head right now, and um, there's always this fun competition. Is at the end of the season, usually right after nationals, and it was like in Interior, BC. Um, so a mountain we didn't get to go to very often, and it was like it was part. It was sponsored by Mountain Dews, and they would like pay. I remember I was so excited because I got like paid just to be there, so it didn't even matter if I won. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I just get to like be uh, just be here and have fun. And um, there was like in they would do. Uh, in the daytime, like the slope style, and then at the nighttime, the big air. And so they had like, two, I think just two jumps, which is for slope style, sometimes they have two jumps, sometimes they have three or four. Um, so two was like not that many. And the last jump, just the way it was built, and the, I was doing my favorite trick is like a backside 540, and just the way like sometimes it kind of pauses in the air. Um, and you're kind of, so you're going, you're spinning, and when you take off, so I, if the video that you probably saw me, I was doing a backside 180, so I'm kind of like blind the whole time because I turned back to the jump. That's when you spin backside, and so it's a backside 540, so you do like like a 360 and then plus that one 180. So you take off blind, but you also like land blind and you land switch. But that's like my, my favorite trick. Like even actually this weekend, I was tempted. I was like, should I try it again? It's been like five years, and I was like, oh, maybe maybe no. not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like maybe not but it's because of this like the feeling of this moment so at this competition the lift kind of goes over and i can remember like i think it was actually just in the practice but i did one that felt so perfect that in the air i could like see the people on the lift and they were like cheering and then like then i land and i just like landed perfectly like no hand drag like just everything was like so good and i was like oh that felt like so good that i wish like the people on the chairlift had a camera or something and just like everyone yeah yeah that was good and like oh yeah i just wish i had um that moment but actually i from that trick in competition I was at a party like the in at night, so I don't have like that exact moment. Uh, but I was at this party, and the skier came up with, to me, this like skier guy, and he's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, not bad, like whatever." And he's like, "So I took this picture of you today." I'm like, "Wait, what?" And yeah, he's like into photography, so he took this picture of me doing like that trick, and so that's like the picture I use for everything always, because it's like the only really good like jump shot that I really have. But I wish like I had a video of that one. And my mom is like a huge scaredy guy, <laughs> like like she's scared of everything. Like she wouldn't let us out at night, like past a certain time. And like to be fair, she's from Venezuela, which is like the murder capital of the world, so. She's probably seen crazy stuff, um, which is probably why she didn't let us out. And I'd always say, well, Canada's super safe. You should let us out at night. She's like, no. <laughs> so, but she was like, you know, kind of like that, like very like cautious with us. We weren't allowed to like really go out and party and do things. And um, so yeah, snowboarding. And then my brother being, he, my brother goes ice climbing, like ice rock climbing. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's crazy. And uh, I'm like, my poor mom, <laughs> like she's been through a lot. I'm just, a, yeah, my dad, I think he's like less scared, but um, my mom definitely I'm like oh she probably has heart attacks but there's I mean snowboarding has such an element of fear like we work with sports psychologists 
Yeah, like I, I was scared and I felt like working with sports psychologists, actually, most of them didn't understand. They came from a traditional sport background and they would say, oh, are you scared of like not performing? I'm like, no, I'm scared of catching my edge and then dying. And they're like, oh, uh, like that doesn't, in hockey, you're not worried that you like could die or you could get a really serious injury. It's probably not in your head. But for me, like that's the biggest thing in my head at all times is like I've seen people get injured and it was actually a big part of me stepping away from the sport was that uh bianca maybe you appreciate this but in the drive to survive they said like the minute a driver has fear in their head like you have to retire honestly that's that's a big part of why i had to to step away from from the sport like all of a sudden then my last season i was making excuses like oh no i have like this minor injury that usually i'd ride through i need to go down to physio i don't want to do this trick again i just hit my head like all these things but re really what happened is there's a lot of fear and uh, I saw a lot of people close to me have really severe injuries and, you know, be in the hospital getting blood pumped out of their lungs and things like that. And it just really hit me that, like, I can't do this to my family. I have other things I'm also passionate about um, that, like, if I did this, like, I couldn't do all of those other things if I got injured doing this. And um, so it was a big part of that decision. And, yeah, fear is it's hard. You have to really overcome it because you can't. Uh, yeah, you can't ride through it. <laughs> it's so hold up. A common misconception that I am very passionate about is there are actually more concussions in women's hockey than in men's. Mm. Oh, because, that's a good stat to know, actually. Yes, because we aren't... So I played boys hockey up until I was 14 years old, and that was when checking was still allowed. Now they do it at, like, 16, 17, because boys. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was very fortunate that I had this experience because I was able to learn about my body adjustment. Now girls are starting girls hockey at, you know four, five, six, and they're not as having to be aware of where their head is at all times. So there's more concussions. I've actually suffered three majors, and one of them was because my head was down. Yeah, I, I've had more concussions in hockey than snowboarding. So I, I would actually agree. Yeah, like I, I used to, so I was kind of like an ass when I played hockey. <laughs> not an ass, but like I was, I was small, like, and, but I was just like, um, I was tough. Like I was, I, I would be You were like, gritty. You were yeah, in the exactly, corners. That's it. That's exactly. I was in the corners and I would drive people crazy because I would get my, my butt in the goalie's face. Like, and I was also like one of the, the top scorers. So the other teams just hated me because I was like, not just like scoring, but also just being annoying, like a pest, you know, but like a good pest, like, you know, like with good sportsmanship. And uh, there was a time where the game ended. The other team had already won, but this girl, I was skating backward or like the other way back towards my... Um, my goalie she had like she thought i had tripped her and she skated all the way from her like um the top of her circle charging at me and i turned around and she knocked me out basically at center ice once i had came turned around and uh i was just like knocked out like in the middle of the rink after the game had ended she had already won the bissell had gone i didn't even give her like a penalty and i was like my whole team was so mad my parents were like what the heck yeah, like there's like crazy Jeez. stuff happens. And I was probably like 12, like. Yeah, so Dom, this is what I will say because I, you know, I have a mother who is just like Natalie is an absolute scaredy cat. She wouldn't even show up to my games when I got to checking because she was just like, I've run to the other side of the bench before. I'm, I don't want to do it ever again. I was like that six year old that had been like hit twice and was like, I'm dead, but I was actually fine. So I think as a parent, and then I pole vaulted, right? Where you're like flying through the air, oh, you can fall gosh. back. You don't have padding. To Natalie's with, um, <laughs> you know, moment of when you watch someone have an injury that gives you that, you know, check engine moment in yourself. 
of just like, is this worth it for myself? And I think that is actually truthfully, and something I love to talk about with athletes is the purest thing that you can do is look at the sport and how it benefits you. And then Natalie, to your point earlier, you know, going out and doing this 100 kilometers was using your athleticism for something outside of yourself. I think that that's what kind of happens when athletes see those moments is seeing how them, their families can be impacted. So as what my mom says always as an, as a parent of athletes that just did crazy things. Um, and my sister rode a bicycle in college and got a major concussion. And so she was just uh. like, you all should be. And that's why I joke about bubbles. Cause she's like, all of my kids should be in bubbles. <laughs> but I think oh, it's yeah. part of being a parent and nurturing good athleticism and nurturing good sportsmanship and just acknowledging that every sport is dangerous. But I mean, yeah. same thing in basketball, you know, people get all of these kind of crazy injuries. I mean, don't remind me of the time a guy's leg or bone shot out of the oh, shin. Oh, yeah. Ugh. You know. Put her in, <laughs> no, put her in, put her no, in. No, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. But what I will say is, Natalie, and I have a question for you, like they, especially when you're starting to train at a higher level, there are a lot of conversations about body health. And mm. not only just about, you know, day-to-day what you intake in your body, but listening to it as a whole and understanding your your body as you're both competing and as you're training. So that's something that I'm really optimistic for, for, you know, women and men in terms of just the understanding of seeing yourself as a head to toe athlete. And, you know, also sports psychologist. I wish I had a sports psychologist growing up. That was just, it's such a beautiful thing that individuals now have the opportunity to really engage with. Um, but I think, you know, as, as a parent, of course, there's always going to be that fear. But Natalie, were you also kind of privy to these conversations around body awareness, body health, injury, things like that during your training? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like when I grew up, I actually had like no coach. It was all of a sudden I got chosen for the junior national team. And I was like, wow. oh my gosh, my parents and I had to interview coaches and like realize we had to hire. Because um, when I where I live, like there's no big mountains. So I kind of taught myself. And then actually when I when I actually got and hired a coach, I moved down to near the Toronto region, um, worked with this coach and I actually had to rebuild. I spent an entire season like learning how to properly turn, learning how to properly approach rails, learning how to properly take off a jump. He wouldn't let me try any like new tricks, really, which was frustrating, especially as a 17 year old. You just had all this success and you're like, I can't like continue that. But he's like, no, you could get hurt you know, if you're not doing things properly or it will limit your success or especially snowboarding is judged on style as well. So he's like, I want to teach you really good style so that you have like the best style out there. Like that's what I think is kind of fun still about snowboarding for me is even though I don't do the best tricks I used to do, as long as I'm like, oh, if I can just do these and make them look really cool, like people will still think it's like cool and it'll feel really cool. (laughs) So I was like, style is like super important in snowboarding. So I'm like, okay, like just let me have the best style on this, this tricks that I won't hurt myself. But yeah, I was lucky to, to have some of those conversations on the rebuild phase when I, when I got a coach finally. (laughs) 100%. Thank you. (laughs) As someone commented and they said, I think you will have way more followers if you, uh, keep posting snowboarding and I was like well the season is over and I'm a washed up retired snowboarder so you're not getting too much more and they were like no no like because I was like I only have these these two tricks now (laughs) if you want to see me do these two tricks at different places maybe so maybe next season I'll try to get out there more and film some stuff again but uh it's probably not going to be the core core of my content (laughs) 